So yeah, Astroport actually, as a side note, I own some of that, has been doing well. Um, let me see what it's doing today. Oh, it popped yeah, another like 10% or so. Yeah, a little bit, but on the whole, like well into the green. Um, and uh, its market cap right now is 138 mil. And um, I think Astroport will do well again because it's both on Neutron and on Terra and... It'll it'll be released on multiple. Uh, it'll be released for multiple layer one simultaneously and multiple um, wallet um, compatibility too. So like bringing liquidity into Astroport and bringing value to the Astroport token holder is something that they are going to work on pretty extensively. It's pretty cool stuff. Wow. So could you compare Astroport then to Osmosis? Yeah, Astroport. Um, the difference between Astroport and Osmosis is Osmosis isn't a, a blockchain in of itself, and it has the they created like a Dex chain essentially. Astroport is more of a DApp, but it's deployed on multiple chains. So like you have Astroport on Injective, you have Astroport on whatever. When you the user experience is such that when you go to Astroport.fi's website, you're interacting with like the Astroport website. But you can connect multiple wallets simultaneously to that. Um, so when you log in with your Kepler or whatever, any chains that they support and any like IVC channels they support, like as far as you can tell, it doesn't feel any different than Osmosis does in that respect. Like it's pretty. It's a lot good. more user friendly than Osmosis. Though, yeah. <laughs> the Osmosis, the difference is, is uh, that it has a lot more IBC channels and connect to a lot more chains. So um, it's sort of like the premier Dex right now of the Cosmos. But Astroport is the one that, like, if you want some, it's a low market cap and you're just a speculator, whatever you want to get the token, that's where the advantage might be right now. I, I like the UI uh, with, with Astroport, i got to say. I uh, did set yeah, up a liquidity pool um, with, with uh, Autism token uh, there you know uh -huh. a couple yeah, weeks yeah. ago and uh yeah i mean very easy to do very slick very nice uh, i think a lot more user friendly really than, than osmosis i think a lot of people have said that they're not too happy with the with the experience uh user experience of uh on, on osmosis but um i don't know if that's true. osmosis requires a little bit of like understanding what in the hell is going on and i think the newcomer really is not understanding that they're using multiple that number one they're on a blockchain not on a dex number two like that means that any assets being traded have to be imported and exported from that chain so it's a cross-chain dex and the ibc coins like i think people don't understand wait why am i sending and withdrawing from my osmosis thing like they don't realize what they're doing is they're taking non-native assets or trading on osmosis and they're exporting them to their native chain and that whole concept in this app chain thesis is like not something people like newbies understand if you're used to bridges and stuff right like you're used to bridging from one chain to the other okay fine you sort of get this and that ibc is a built-in cross-chain like super secure bridge and therefore like you don't have traditional bridge risks it's a native to the like Cosmos chains natively have IBC capabilities. So it's like inbuilt bridge capabilities, which is really cool. But like the new user has no idea what the fuck's going on. They're like, what am I doing? Why am I withdrawing? Why am I depositing? What's with the withdrawal and deposit buttons? I just don't get it. 
Um, so yeah, anyway, no, like, no clue, no clue whatsoever. I, I agree with you completely. I, yeah, it I took me a while. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It took me a while. I'm like, the first time I ever came to Cosmos, started using, it, I'm like, wait, what am I doing here exactly? Where are these yeah. coins going? I'm like, totally. Why totally. am I withdrawing here? Like, what? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I'm new to to the whole Cosmos ecosystem myself, and uh, you know, I, I think you know people like yourself and some others have really been really helpful in educating me about just the basics of uh, of how it works and stuff. And I'm really grateful for but, that. But you at know? the same time, once you get it working, you you're like, wait a minute, like this is pretty cool shit. Like, um, there's a lot of potential here totally, in the so-called totally. absolute yeah, thesis. And the other cool so thing potential. is. Yeah. The, other, totally. the one cool thing is like, while you're see, like one of the core functions of crypto is like, you know, people like to speculate, obviously. And um, the cool thing about uh, Cosmos is that with so many new chains and so many new projects and things you can play games on, it's just one big video game arcade. And you, without having to leave your your wallet ecosystem. Um, you can have a lot of exposure to a lot of shit, right? Like, so once you start playing in Cosmos, you realize, wait a minute, like, I don't need to go to DEX. I don't need to go to centralized exchanges very often to find something new coming out. Because there's always something new coming out in Cosmos, like every month or something, there's something. And so if you wanted to just scratch that itch to go play and buy some new, like, thing, whatever, this new shiny object, you have that capability there. And that's kind of cool. Like, like, and... You know, so this is kind of like hundred percent, dude. Hundred percent. I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. I only fully kind of got into the the whole kind of like exploring the kind of smaller chains within Cosmos really over the Christmas period, really. You know, and uh, you know things like Sommelier, for example, Mars Protocol. I knew from yeah. before from Terra exactly. days. But like um, just buying a small bag on on each of these chains, really, and, and just kind of, uh, you know, staking it and kind of like seeing how the year plays out, how the bull market. Plays yeah, and it's out quite in terms it's of, quite easy to get exposed yeah. to a wide variety of things. Um, and you can stake like you can transmit directly to your staking wallet. And one other cool thing is with Cosmos is that like your wallet address for any one chain actually generates the wallet addresses for all the other chains. That's another mystery point. Like people don't get like, um, you know, whereas like, they're like, wait a minute, I have this cosmos address, but it gave me an address for all these other chains. What just happened? And the cool thing is you don't have to manage all of those addresses. You just have the one seed phrase for all your cosmos chains, which is really nice. Right? Like that's a nice feature. Um, it could be bad if you have all your eggs in one basket, I suppose. Sometimes it's better to have like a few, well, it's with different seed phrases, but um, but you get the picture. And the cool thing is, like, you can swap between assets in different places. Like, for example, if I log into Kujira and I happen to have Adam on Cosmos Hub, well, then I can, like, use their little, you know, cross-chain IBC bridge and I can move my Adam onto Osmosis. I mean, I'm sorry, Adam onto Kujira and I could trade for, you know, whatever I want, um, Kuji tokens or something. Um, so, yeah, like... Do you have all these interesting DEXs? It's almost like with the multiple DEXs, it's also interesting because you have Osmosis, you have Kuji, you have Astroport. And the beauty of that too is it starts to feel almost like you have a bunch of different centralized exchanges, right? It's like gets that feel that like, wait, if I have all these DEXs, why in the world would I want to go to a centralized exchange to do X, Y, and Z? Um, although, exactly. although the criticism right now would be, I would say like, if you have to make any very large buys, like, 
you know, if you're starting to get into massive the, slippage. <laughs> yeah, if you start getting into like the yeah. ten thousand dollar plus range, oh, yeah. thousand yeah. dollar plus range, totally. even on some like <laughs> common pairings like Adam Kuji or something, you're gonna you're gonna say, wait a minute, hold on, I'm gonna send yeah. this to Max C or it, somewhere. It's not good. Yeah. The order book yeah. needs to be a little bit fuller, or the AMM yeah. just have like deeper liquidity. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, in Kuji's yeah. case, on Finn, it's an order book, and on on Osmosis, it's an it's an AMM. But both times, like sometimes you're not getting as good of a deal as no, you would. No, on, the deals are. Yeah, and when you yeah. look on CoinGecko and you look on the the <laughs> you hit the exchanges tab and you see. You know the the only decks listed is Osmosis. <laughs> Automatically, like, uh, don't know if I want to ape this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's but on the on the whole, like for smaller transactions, these things work fine. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and Osmosis sure. is now connected to Coinly, by the way, for tax purposes. If anyone cares, that's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah that helps yeah. as well. But, I did have one concrete question I really wanted to pick your brains about for some time. Now, what is your thesis on Rune? Um, if you don't mind me kind of asking. Uh, so Rune, yeah. um, like first off, it it ran um, relatively early for a variety of reasons. Um, you had um, one of those reasons was possibly like just, you know, people tweeting about it you know, October or so, and sort of like, you know, causing a little pump and stuff. That's one reason. The second thing is the amount of volume on, uh, on Thorchain really, really climbed heavy. So, um, like people that actually use the decks for the, its functions went up big time, like exponential to where Thorchain's like volume is like exceeding a lot of, um, it's becoming a top 10 like or has become a top 10 trading platform in the world now so that's that's a reason why it went up and then also rune the way it works is it's got that deterministic um price action meaning you have to have like what is it 2x the amount of rune uh held in uh three, reserve 3x three 3x three 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 yeah 3x yeah. the amount of yeah. rune value in reserve in order to have like compared to however much TVL is on the system. So like if the market is bullish right now, like for example, and BTC and ETH are going up, uh, Rune becomes relatively undervalued if its price doesn't also rise. So it's got that deterministic price action. So I think like if you were to ask me like, is today a fair price for Rune? I think to it's now a fair price if you look at BTC and ETH valuations. Um, there's also, if you go to Thorchain's website, it will actually show you the deterministic price, what it should be to like secure all the assets on the chain. And then of course, there are some speculative multiple. It's almost like a price to earnings ratio or, or a reserve to whatever ratio. Like Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. the cool thing about Rune is like there are some metrics, but that could also mean that like the price doesn't pump as much because like, you know, yeah. people have a metric to follow and therefore it has like totally, that creates totally. gravity. But like that speculation. But I think current, like it, it actually did a pull back to like four dollars and forty cents. It's now at five dollars and thirty. Its top was about seven thirty, and with rising BTC and ETH prices, BTC and ETH are the largest um, liquidity like on Thorchain. It's quite possible that um, people start noticing this and um, pick up more Rune. Um, very, very possible. Because the 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 all time high way back in sort of like May twenty twenty one was about twenty one dollars. Yeah, yeah, twenty one. Uh, so like, do you see any kind of like real likelihood that 
that room can regain its all-time high or is that yeah like what happens with these is they you know in crypto things become drastically overvalued um for no other reason but just because um one thing you'll notice is is that volume of rune today is higher uh by an order of magnitude compared to prior high for rune so it is way more heavily traded on various exchanges and things now than it was before. And that makes it more probable to go up. On the other hand, it also has more uh, market depth in terms of liquidity, which means it's harder to move the price as high. Um, can it go back to prior high? I mean, it's early in a bull market. You know, BTC is rocking along. I think it's very possible to reach all-time high again, which would be like, you know, 4X from here or something. Um, can it go past that to its next next fib extension, which is like fifty two dollars? Um, yeah, it's possible. I mean, let's put it this way: when Rune was at twenty one dollars, it was way overvalued compared to the TVL and the transactions on that chain. Um, so if it goes back Completely to twenty one, yeah, yeah. If, if it goes back to twenty one, it would be overvalued in a sense, but not anywhere near what 100%. it was last time. So oh, 100%. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty bullish, I would say. Like, I think yeah. Rune's a decent one to own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's my kind of second biggest bag, you know, to be absolutely honest with you. You know, um, there's I, there's another thing, too, is like, you know, it's a credible team. Um, we like Chad. Yeah. I love Chad, um, which, yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is good, too. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah totally. We're not, yeah. not a bunch of douchebags. But um, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't marry our bags at the same no, time. We no, 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 you shouldn't. be, you know. I'm going to marry Chad. Um, yeah, no, no um, <laughs> he wouldn't. Yeah, accept but it. so like, no, but like, at least, you know, it's like uh, not a bunch of douchebags. And you know yeah, that like totally. they have had um, a good system developed over years. And you know that they've already yeah. been through multiple hacks and pro or not True. hacks, but like exploits and problems. Yeah, yeah they fixed all of them. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the negative would be that like, um, the positive would be it's really, really popular um, and people are using it. The negative would be it could become like one of those like regulatory scrutiny items, which could. Yes, that's my, my, uh, one of my concerns. Which could affect like the teams or something. It might not affect, it may not be able to shut it down, but like it might affect team members. <laughs> I, I, I know. We know the, the price impact that that has on price. Yeah. yeah. The price impact is yeah. going to be there regardless yeah. whether the system gets shut down. Exactly. Right? Like Absolutely. That's just going to so, happen. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, you have yeah. that risk. Um, and then like the other risks are that like it's a very complicated system and therefore like you could want like coding wise it's complicated and therefore it's like leading edge technology and in, in blockchain. right so yeah. you you, you, yeah. you the while it's also it's really smart technology it's also something that if something bad happens um bruce and i joke it's not it's sort of like luna in the sense that like it's infinity or zero yeah, um yeah, it could yeah. do fantastically well and become a world-changing dex um and become like you know it could top out binance or somebody or like it goes yeah. to zero because something bad happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, indeed. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's yeah. it's one of those like I think it's an acceptable. I mean, like let's let's face it. Why are you in small cap or you know or medium cap like crypto? You're in it for outsized gains. You then absolutely. you have to, you yeah. have to accept the outsized risk. Otherwise, like, what are you doing here? And I think Please. like as long as people understand that and they allocate accordingly, like yeah, you can't get hundred x gains or whatever or whatever the hell it is without the possibility of hundred x loss. <laughs> so, totally. but how so. are the charts looking in terms of fib extensions and so on? Like, it's um, good. It's good. Yeah. No, it's right. only made its first pump um, for the season, basically, right? So it's doing really well. Um, yeah, I would say like the first pump is the one that attracts all the attention usually, mm. and the the second and third pumps are where a lot of the 
the big moves happen. I would yeah, say. I think it hit over seven dollars back about a month and a half ago, possibly. You know, around about that sort of time. Oh yeah, because um, its yeah. resistance, its fib resistance was six. It peaked over that a little bit, and then now it's like testing that again. And probability of rune uh, going up if BTC goes up. The best way to think of rune is it's a leveraged play on BTC. Mm. Think of it as a three x leverage play play on BTC. So if BTC goes up from here a double then rune will probably do a 6x or something All right that's the basic the basic math on this one yeah okay and real quick also i just wanted to pick your brains on casper as well uh are you I, I, as far as i can gather you are not super bullish on casper uh a little skeptical. no um not really i just have not been involved with it and at this point like the closest chart that mimics Caspa's chart is Zephyr, and it's at a dramatically less market cap. So, like, is Cas doing okay? Yeah, it's doing fine. Like, it had a fairly long consolidation period between April to 2023, and like, it built support price of like four cents for Caspa by October 2023. So, like, maybe six months or whatever that was. So um, I think the floor price for CAS is something like four cents at this point. And it's currently at 13 cents. Um, what's its market cap right now? Let me pull it up real quick. Because um, like really. Two billion, I think. Really what's your. Yeah, it's like 2.8 billion. Um, oh, so yeah, almost so so it actually peaked at I think three ish billion dollars and it's re yeah, coming yeah. close to retesting that. It was at sixteen cents approximately. Now it's at thirteen. Um, I think it's a fair buy. And a half was the all time high, like a, a month and a half ago or so. Yeah, uh, it's got a pretty strong cultish community. It's like it's a pretty strong buy, um, like at this level, I would say. I think especially with BTC and everything else going up, it's like mm. it's poised nicely for having done pretty good this bear market so far. Like where yeah. can it get to? I mean, like it wouldn't shock me if Caspa hit like 4x from here to 12 billion, like, you know, like the bear market polka dot value or something like that is very yeah. feasible. Yeah. It yeah. seems like Cas holders have been fairly diamond handed so far. Pretty um, much so, yeah. Yeah, so they've yeah. done pretty well. Um, but at the think at the same time, if you like Zephyr is the same chart chart as Caspa, except when it was like at fifty million dollar market cap. <laughs> so like if yeah, you're gonna be yeah, adding yeah. now, it's like I think Zephyr is the more obvious play in the proof of work space. It's the most unique offering. It has the most yeah. like most um like between the privacy perspective and the stablecoin perspective it has like i think one of the most unique offerings out there for that market cap um yeah yeah, yeah. so like i don't know of too many of the things that like a 50 billion market cap or that are anywhere close and also i did a little bit of analysis of the daily volume of um zephyr and zephyr's volume exceeds by a fra of like like 10x the amount of volume of most of the other things at the same market cap level so I, there's definitely a lot of that means that all that um that zephyr that's being mined is being bought up like big time or anything that's being sold is being bought up because yeah, otherwise heavy, you'd have seen heavy the, demand there yeah the otherwise you'd have seen the yeah. price tank by now and it, that hasn't yeah. happened so no, I, I noticed that it, it does seem to have a strong floor there in terms of the yeah, you know, like fifteen to twenty dollars. Yeah, it yeah, well, it yeah. it pumped obviously to fifty two dollars and then it pulled back all the way to fifteen. Yeah. This is a pretty standard. Um, that's a pretty standard. Um, like you know, it's, it's kind of a standard thing. Um, so I think. Yeah. Um, 
Um, oh, it's funny. Like the, the dude that came in just put all the porn up on the top here. Very funny. No, that, that's that, you know, <laughs> really. I wish people wouldn't do things like that, honestly. Well, I don't care, whatever. People can do whatever they want, but like, it's just yeah. goofy shit. Um, yeah, he just like spammed as much as he could. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, no, but uh, I think like price action wise, it's looking solid and it's per- performing pretty much exactly like like fractal wise, like the Casper chart. So I think like right. among the sort of buyable tokens right now, it's Cas- I mean, it's uh, Zephyr. Um, I think Casper also looks okay, but the multiples aren't quite as high. Um, and but the risk for Cas is relatively low. It's a simple proof of work. Um, yeah, and it's yeah. not one of those things that's kind of like going to go to zero or whatever. Um, no, 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 probably not. I, I mean, do you, do you think, because of course they're talking about introducing smart contracts and so on, but as far as I can work out, it's going to take a year or so for that to happen. And, you know, I mean, for me, I tend to think that if you have smart contracts, I mean, without smart contracts, there's no DeFi and there's no serious pump. That's my kind of thesis personally. Um, not necessarily like proof of work just by itself can just, you know, do really well if it's like a perceived as a credible coin. Yeah. Um, and it has kind of like some sort of early Bitcoin ethos and whatever. Mm. Um, I'm not so sure how much like the smart contracts portion of CASPA matters. and, And I don't know how much risks that smart contract system would introduce or whatever i don't really know yeah so yeah, i yeah, it's yeah. it becomes like proof of work ethereum at that point but the question i have is like wait a minute like the problem that with proof of work and smart contracts generally is execution speed and so much of the space is moving on to like you know data layer availability and separating execution and everything because like these things aren't scalable so i mean well, I smart contracts speed, may help if there's smart one contracts thing may help doing the, right it's speed you know? Yeah, smart, smart contracts may help the pumpamentals, like by introducing leverage systems and lending, whatever. But yeah. they don't necessarily improve like speed or anything. They might make it worse. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, the thing about Casper is its speed. That's the kind of core, kind of uh, you know, unique selling proposition of the of the chain. You know, to a large extent. Uh, so I think that you know, I personally think that if it had smart contracts that worked well, you know, uh, and they say that, you know, they also have this plan to introduce smart contracts that, you know, are sort of MEV kind of resistant, mm-hmm. then that could be, that could be, you know, a serious value proposition, you know? Yeah. I don't know like, how they're going to be MEV resistant without some kind of ZK system or something, but anyway, yeah, we'll yeah, I can hundred percent tell you the cash. Cash has nothing on transactions per second compared to an L1 like Radix. It's it's just night and day. Yeah. Check it out, Radix. Yeah, to me, like it's proof like of work, night, it's night more about security and than it's speed. Not, it's not like Solana where they have, uh, I don't know, Solana's transactions per second is... Um, they're not using smart contracts. It's not doing proper swaps. It's like calls and that sort of bullshit. This is a single node being able to do 9,000 transactions per second right now. Um, And that's a single node. 
they're going to be able to scale to over a million transactions per second on Radix. It's just, mm. if you're looking for tech, check it out. Got it. Well, I think the thing is for proof of work things, the, the most important feature of proof of work um, is going to be security. And secondly, it's like uh, mined things um, basically have a commodity value to them. Uh, in that, like the price to mine and such creates a little bit of a floor price to these things. Um, and we've seen that time and time and again. Um, it doesn't mean your coin will sort of giga moon, but at the same time, it, it like can be used as sort of a store of value function. Um, and I think that's the key things with proof of work. I'm not usually looking for smart contracts and whatnot. Like it's uh, cheaper in many ways transactionally and faster to do proof of, I'm sorry, smart contract platforms in a proof of stake systems. The trouble with proof of stake on the other hand is like achieving sufficient decentralization. And that's been a challenge, but that's a challenge that proof of work systems also have. So, you know, go figure. Um, but uh, yeah, like some of the things that I uh, sold yesterday are pulling back a little bit like Akash, AKT, Injective. Um, and I think like the things that have already run are going to be perceived as sort of like high risk now because their relative ROI is kind of questionable. And I think what's happening is, is people are cycling into stuff that has not run yet. Um, so you can see that happening at the moment, just, just by like going down the tickers pretty much. Um, so yeah, grab the stuff that hasn't run yet. <laughs> Those are going to be Litecoin, Dogecoin, uh, Atom and things of that nature. Um, the layer one type things I believe are going to get their turn now. So if BTC runs, ETH runs, then all the layer one type old coins or the dino coins, as you were, you know, some people call it, are probably going to get a good bid at this point. Um, LTC is just too low of a risk at this price level to like not be enticing for, for speculators, I think. Uh, both LTC and Doge at these levels are both sort of easy speculative 2Xs in my opinion. But anyway, um, I do a lot of 2X type stuff. I don't necessarily have everything go like I'm not buying everything from the perspective of a 10 X or 20 X or something. And did you have some comment? Oh, hey, Sefi. Hello. Sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I will be quick this time. I have, <laughs> I've got super duper stupid question. Um, I bought everything, everything. I bought a lot in the last bear market. Mm -hmm. Um, Example Solana at seven dollars, Bitcoin at seventeen dollars. Nice. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yep. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm very rich at the moment. You're, you're beating most of these retards. That's good. <laughs> it pays to be autistic sometimes. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know what to do because, um, do you think, um, it, is it already time to sell? Because no. In my no. I don't think so. No, not at all. Like, I think if anything, a lot of things are in actual buy positions right now. So like selling, I think is just kind of pointless right now. Um, like I think, uh, until like really, you don't see a lot of the retail hype at all yet in crypto. And that's going to be like a year away probably. Um, and you're going to see advertising and whatever related to the Bitcoin ETF stuff come out and God knows what, right? So I think you have, we have plenty of room to go. Um, and a lot of uh, alts and things have only reached like, you know, two or three FIB levels off their bottoms. Like they haven't, like just as a, as a reference point, you'll know when it's time to sell when like, 
you know, link is multiples above its all time high. Like that's a good bellwether for the altcoin space. Like if you see um, Chainlink at like 140, then you know that we're probably getting close to top. <laughs> so, um, okay. so the, the and why do I say that is because like okay, who's buying Chainlink? It's going to be people that are buying quality. Who's buying quality? Institutions and smart money, big money. And <laughs> if they're starting to sell and you're seeing it like start to taper off, then the big money starts to exit before the the retail all comes in and like gets burned. So mm -hmm. like the bellwether for that's going to be the quality projects and something like a chain link where the new person is going to be chasing meme coins and they're going to be chasing God knows whatever candles. Um, I think like that's a good benchmark for um, sort of a top signal in some ways. Um, so anyway, yeah, I would say like, if you, see, if you see Chainlink going above, like set an alarm and see if you see Chainlink going above 100, then you know it's getting close to, to sell time. And in your case, like if you, if you bought very, very early and you held everything from the very bottom, um, mm -hmm. you could just simply say, you know what? I don't really want to worry about all that. I just want to exit. Like I'm, I'm doing well, whatever. I'm out of here. Like I'm going to sell all my stuff. Then like probably when Chainlink hits all time, the previous high of $53, um, <laughs> You're, you're already going to be in a position where most of your things are doing great. So okay. I think and that's the way to look at it. And halving is not, has not happened yet also. So Bitcoin halving. So that's another. Yeah. Well, having, so that's deterministic in that when halving happens, it affects miners, it affects hodl pressure, it affects like all sorts of things. Um, and um, it can't be fully priced in. In, in the sense that miners change their behavior as a result of the hash rate change. Their finances get affected, their um, income gets affected, the whole thing. So you don't really ever fully price it in until it actually happens. And that's what we mean by deterministic effect. Mm -hmm. Same as the ETF thing. So now you have happening coming and you have ETF to start open today, 11 of them or something. And um, I think the whole next year should be relatively bullish season. And if that wasn't enough, the stock market's reaching all-time highs as well and kind of pushing upwards. Um, there's a lot of uh, sideline cash in the markets, and it's spilling back into all these different things. And if stock market goes up, people tend to gamble on um, crypto and stuff also. So I think the gamblers haven't really arrived yet. Um, and you'll see some impressive um, moves like... Uh, I, I think there's still a lot of room to grow for a lot of things, but that, it's a case by case basis though. Like some things have already run a lot and, um, you know, may have less like upside left in them and other times things haven't moved at all yet and probably have a lot of upside left in them. Perfect example would be like what I mentioned today is Litecoin. I mean, the odds of it, you doing a three X there quite easily is quite high or two X at least. And to me, it's like, um, I can, you know, I can throw money at that with relatively low risk because it hasn't even pumped yet. It hasn't gone anywhere yet. And I think these are things that like... Dump in Litecoin? What's that? There was an absolutely crazy dump in Litecoin. Litecoin, it was like 45 or something. Yeah, it came, uh, down, it came down to 55. Um, $40 was at the bottom of like the FTX crash at the, like the bottom of the bear market. Now it's at 71. But like looking at its chart, its bear market tops were like 98. And uh, the level above that's like 129. So I think it could easily 2x from here. So yeah, 
bought it more yesterday as well. So it's it's <laughs> low risk, relatively speaking, too, because proof of work and it's largely bottomed out. And it was it, like on this recent liquidation, it went down to fifty nine dollars right about there. So yeah, I think it's pretty safe. You, most of the longs have been like flushed out. And those are, of course, your future sellers. So um, and remember, LTC, Dogecoin, and these things, they pump when retail shows up. So like usually BTC goes past all time high. All the retards show up to kind of buy because, oh, like, you know, my family and friends <laughs> said to get some crypto. And then like they'll go and buy your bags and they tend to buy all these high market cap things that are sitting on Coinbase or on the main exchanges. And because they don't know what they're buying. So they'll buy like the top stuff. They're like, oh, Litecoin. I heard about that. I heard about Dogecoin. Oh, I'm going to get that. Whatever. You know, and so these things will pump at that point. Yeah. Okay. And that's the other thing, too, is until like Doge does some pumping, you know, retail's not here yet. Like, and on crypto Twitter, too, like almost everybody that's on spaces and everything are, all, are almost no newbies. Almost everybody on here is like people who've been here. Um, so until you see like hundreds of newbies show up on spaces, um, then you know that it, you're, you're not at the top yet. Okay, so thank you. You'll, you'll know. In fact, you know how you'll know is like you'll see a whole bunch, like I'll tweet about something. And there'll be like hundreds of like likes and stuff on it out of nowhere. <laughs> you're like, you're like, wh- like, what's going on over here? Like, and then, so yeah, there's very little like Twitter engagement so far, I would say. Okay, yeah. So, and if you look at the crowds showing up here, very few new people. And um, that tells you you're relatively early. Uh, and okay. you know what? You, you know, maybe this is a really slow bear market. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's a slow bull market. Maybe 2024 it goes up and 2025 we keep going up and 2026 we keep going up. It might be a really slow market, uh, maybe. <laughs> That's the alternative p- hypothesis where it's like we don't, it just goes only slowly up because the retail FOMO kind of behavior is not as aggressive this time because of all the you know, crap that happened last time with FTX and Voyager and Celsius and BlockFi and Luna and everything else. Like, because everything kind of crashed so bad, maybe a lot of retail people feel burned and they won't come for much later. But nevertheless, like when you start seeing TV advertisements about crypto and you start seeing like all the NFTs start popping off and people are buying bullshit again, then you know we're at like a top. Until then, yeah, I think you could basically take every dip as a possible buy. Um, because like we still have plenty of time to go. Okay, thank you so much. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it's like we got we got time. It's she did the right thing in getting everything at the very bottom of the market, which is what you ought to do. And then like you don't even have to be barely up at all, and you're like, holy shit, I'm rich now. Like you know, because like take a cost, it was like twenty cents, and now it's at three dollars. Like you don't have to be a genius to do have done well if you bought the very bottom. Um, you really just either got lucky or you were just, it's not really luck. If you've been around since last bull market and you stayed around the whole bear market, that's not luck. That's persistence. There's a big difference. That's that whole time in the market concept and you did the right thing. Um, so yeah, it's like the, so she's at a position where it's like, even if she's sold now, she's doing really well. Um, forget about the full bull market, but I would say, and just give it time. You'll see. It'll be fine. Like, cause you're, you're so far ahead that like, even if there's some dips here and there, you're not going to sweat them because you're still way so far ahead of everybody else and ahead of the curve that there's nothing to worry about at this point. I think. Yeah. Oh, phew. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you have a lot of, you have a lot of space to, you could have a lot of things go down and you're still ahead. <laughs> so you'll be fine. <laughs> so, but I, but I think this last liquidation event, this last couple of weeks um, was kind of like, the big like having that happen before the ETF stuff came out is bullish 
um, because most of the longs have been knocked out. And now it's like you can have market continuation because leverage longs are future sellers. And now you've already knocked them out. So all the sellers are gone. And um, maybe short sellers, you can squeeze them, right? So like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, you're going to still get some movement there. But um, yeah, like I, I would say like if you're, you know, trying to get uh, exit the market, um, a reasonably safe place to do so with relatively little downside would be even like chain link at $32. Like that's where, you know, but I don't know, it's still pretty early to me, like trying to exit that early, but, um, I don't know. I, I would say like, if you have something that's really hundred X or something and you're like, I don't know, maybe I don't want to exit this thing. I made plenty of profit. It's fine. It just, I'll sell it and move on. Um, especially because like, if you keep your bag intact, your, your assets are doing really well. Um, there's new stuff that comes out during the bull market year and you might find some opportunities where it's like, Hey, I made a hundred thousand dollars over here, but I want to spend a thousand on this little thing over here that could hundred X. Right. So like you don't spend your whole bag, you take like a 1% of that and go and throw it at some shit coins or whatever and see if you can gamble your way to some other gains. Um, but you don't like, don't waste all of the money and like ape into everything with all that you've gained. Um, you just take, you can maybe take some small risks here and there at that point and still have some fun, um, without, um, without burning your whole bag. <laughs> so you don't want to do that. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's like, uh, it looks like there's been some pullbacks just now, like neutron pullback, some injective pullback, some, um, Akash dropped about 8% to about 295. Um, yeah, so Adam's at 1057 at the moment. That's good. Yeah, right now I think the layer ones are going to do well. Ethereum, Adam, um, and all the old Dino coins. I have a sense that that's their time has come because they've been lagging so far. And it's usually laggards that are boring that are the ones that smart money is going to go, hey, look, this looks like low risk to me. I'm going to go get some of that. And then, <laughs> then they start pumping. Um, it's pretty typical. Um, anyway, if uh, Milo, what you've been up to? Well, I've just been getting stuff set up, but I was just saying, I really fucking hope Adam does something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you just pick up some so yesterday? I got I got some at nine forty. I wow. moved my Akash into it, and I bought a bag of that, and it put in a pretty nice candle today. Like the I just three. kind of been compounding because I bought like a fuck ton of it like a long time ago and my average is really low, like way lower. So I'm just, and even I mean, then like with the, the inflation, the weekly, like with the, the weekly candle on Adam, it was at 890 at the bottom this yeah. week. And it's already at like, it topped out at 1086. That's a pretty good move for Adam. Like, yeah. So, um, oh. And I think if it closes this week above like, the previous resistance, which is like twelve dollars and twenty cents or twelve thirty or something, um, that's going to be super super bullish. So you want to see like a giga candle for the rest of the weekend, rest of the week for um, through Sunday, and if it like passes that, I think it's finally time to hit that like sixteen dollar level next. And these candles for Adam, man, they come fast and hard. Like um, a weekly candle. I'll give you an example. Back in September of twenty twenty two, this is like during the bear market. Um, you had a candle from uh, a weekly candle from $11 and 71 cents up to $17 within one week as an example. So when Adam starts to move, it starts to giga move and you'll see it like really, um, market caps will just start popping off. But I think like 
the goal for this season is at minimum to pass 20 again, um, I think is pretty likely. So like, has anything else come of uh, Jaquan's like mirror chain or whatever for that? Cause then we could actually kind of double up or <laughs> get a yeah, pretty good it's airdrop. Like a, it's like an ideology change. I, I don't know. Like ideology yeah. chain. It's not really, um, I don't know, whatever. I, I don't know that he's actually started or not. Yeah, I just hope like they just kind of ship and deliver stuff rather than the governance bullshit that always goes on. That's kind of killed a lot of these Cosmos chains, but they'll come back, I guess. Like Juno was horrible. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of that Dow Dow either. I'm a big maxi for Enterprise Dow. It's yeah, just the best. But I'm also fucking wrecked lunatic like sixty percent of the space. <laughs> well, I think Luna. Um... So vesting ends in like most people's vested tokens um, emerge in November or so. And I think like any kind of selling pressure or sort of bearish pressure um, like probably ends right around that time. And a a lot of people have already had 50% of their tokens vested and released already. So you're not seeing very much sell pressure relatively. Now, the last few months, Luna had like, I think, a leverage fuel pump where like DGENs like Wizard and whoever bought like Luna on like 5X leverage or something. And then like the thing pumped because they tweeted about it, but it like dumped back to where it was. Um, so I think like someone mentioned today, like Luna looks like a, a reasonable um, buy level at this point. It's like right at its first fib resistance off its bottom, I think. And, um, you know, could it do pretty well and like really pop this year? It's quite possible. But I think like uh, if Luna pops, it might wind up being like a late bull market pop because that's when vesting and everything's over. That would be like November of this year. And um, only like 10% more is vesting after that. And probably most of those people have forgotten that they even own the damn coin. Um, That's the thing, too. A lot of uh, Luna is dormant. So even though it's like, oh, you know, you know, people didn't even know they got airdrops or a lot of Luna airdrops went to like all sorts of random wallets that nobody ever claimed, I think. Um, So the amount of circulating Luna is relatively limited, probably. And, um, you know, so it may actually do a lot better than people think, um, especially because there's some building happening there. Liquidity pools have been augmented on Astroport. And um, it's it's become more usable now. Um, The thing that uh, Luna has to do a bit more of is like, I think uh, if it does a bit more cross chain assets, which is what Astroport's doing, um, and it's doing more IVC trading and brings in more volume. The Terra Station wallet, of course, has always been fantastic. Um, uh, but like, is if it can really sort of like differentiate on like um, like the DAO tooling, for example, with Enterprise, and people start using that cross chain DAO tooling infrastructure, that could be interesting. Um, there was a time when like DAOs are really popular, like, you know, ohm forks and this DAO and that DAO. Um, and, um, uh, I, I don't know if like, there's not been much of a DAO narrative this season. Um, so are DAOs and NFTs and whatever else going to have like a run? I don't probably, um, I don't know when and if that's going to happen and how it's going to impact price action and stuff. But yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, it seems like everyone wants to kind of bring up this D pin, right? For yeah, that'd be like um, in some of these things. Yeah, so you know, most people have bags of that, anyways, if they've been in these spaces. So, 
Yeah, I think Akash looks um, like a decent price again, probably after a pullback to about like a buck ninety. So if it does that, I'll probably go back into it. We'll see. But um, yeah, the deep end stuff, the infrastructure stuff um, has moved a fair amount this year already. Um, the AI stuff has already moved a fair amount this already as well, like fetch and stuff. So I'm not sure exactly how much room they have to move. But yeah, like if you want the uh, the thing that maybe like not a high gamble, but like a high speculative like type of thing, um, I would say like if you're betting on the the growth of Luna and that community, um, then yeah, Luna probably is a rational speculative gamble. Um, for it to do like a five x from here, let me see what is market cap now. By the way, is it five hundred million or something like that? Mm, let's see. Um, yeah, it's market cap is four forty six million. Um, so like, yeah, it's competing with market cap with basically Kajira, like is the best way to describe it. Like, so it's like, if you're going to gamble on one of the two, are you gambling on more Luna? Or are you gambling on Kujira? Luna's market cap is about a hundred mil lower. But Kujira has like a vastly more fleshed out ecosystem at this moment. Um, for this moment. Now, uh, Terra does stuff that's different than Kajira though. Kajira doesn't have like enterprise DAO on it and stuff. I don't remember if enterprise said they were going to deploy on, they're going to deploy on Kajira, but some, so they might do some of these cross chain capabilities because everyone wants each other's liquidity and everyone wants to better build a better Chuck E. Cheese, you know, video game arcade. And I think like, um, these cross chain type of things with IBC are really fun in, in Cosmos and, uh, um, we'll see what it, what comes of it. I don't know. Um, I've got a fairly good outsized bag of Kujira. I have all my old Luna from the airdrop. Um, so I'm hoping both do well. Are you mostly, did you buy new Luna or did you have mostly Luna from your airdrop from last time, last season? Uh, no, I, well, I, I fucked around with Lunk and I made it a little bit there because I bought kind of when everything depegged. I was able to pick okay. up quite a bit and then I yeah. just forgot about it. And then all of a sudden it picked up there in August. And then my did profits from that. Did you end up selling I, the pump or what did you do? I sold half like in August and then I okay. sold a bunch more in September and then it was tapering off and I sold more and I just kind of rolled that all into. I actually stocked up on a lot of stuff with that profit. And I didn't hang oh, around, nice. and then I just muted. What kind of what kind of things did you pick up? Uh, well, I just topped up my eagled bags. I topped up my Cosmos, Adam there, and then a few more. So it's been pretty how good. Do you, how I, do you feel about eagled? I think I sold it. Um, I'm trying to remember. Like I think I had an average price in that of like maybe 42, and I believe I sold it around. Um, I can't, I can't remember now. Like, I like around seventy. Like, I, it, I think so. It might have been seventy-three. It, it might have been around seventy, like close to this recent top, and now it's pulled back. Its fib level for eagle is like fifty-seven. Um, but like, I haven't seen very much talk about eagle at all. Like, have you followed to see if they're doing anything lately? They they got quite a bit of stuff going on. Like, really, their their wallet 
their mobile wallet is kick ass and like i don't trade it it's a really long-term thing for me because like a buddy of mine we got into it so early and like i'm just spread across like providing liquidity you got different staking liquid staking and a lot of lock stuff and there's so many airdrops and it, it's kind of cool right like it's i think it's gonna be a big mover and you know it did touch 500 there once right at that point in time that was pretty hard to hold my heart palpitations back but we'll see, see I, I sold my e-gold and i rolled it into it's one of the things i dropped into zephyr personally um just because like i wasn't so sure what was going to differentiate e-gold from a lot of the other layer ones and stuff and i just sort of like I don't know. It just seemed like one that I held on to for all last season. I was earning yield on it and I just kept it. And then now when I was finally in the green, it wasn't even a two X. I didn't make that much off of it. I just sort of like, I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure I have a deep conviction in it. And not only that, but like, I didn't feel like, well, I put a tweet out. I'm like, I did the dollar sign Eagle. And I'm like, uh, someone convinced me to keep this thing or tell me what it does and nobody actually responded so i'm like fuck it i'm selling it like if i can't even get one response that's not a good sign so that bothered me and um i was like all right i'm gonna sell this thing <laughs> like people they had the, the fans had the opportunity to keep convince me to keep it but they didn't um so it was kind of a goofy kind of way to judge it but i'm like all right fine so i sold it and i got zephyr at the time so it worked out fine yeah there's definitely some alts doing some pullbacks right now did these drop or something or what happened? So I didn't look at the just seemed like everything topped out, so some everyone's taking profit. Maybe, maybe. No, because it's it's all the news kind of thing. But at 25 are you, is it, are you getting that cold snap there? Right now? No, I'm okay. Um <laughs> let's see here. Um why it's in, getting pretty cold in Canada? yeah it's yeah we're having some issues some freezing stuff oh yeah i'm sure um but they probably put pipes and everything in such a way that they don't rupture that easy there huh uh yeah just like i do a lot of like remote stuff so we have like uh just like temporary stuff with insulation and shit or just dealing tough time with you sit around uh, a coat then the whole time indoors or what no it's good we're all right but like it's a fairly big project but there's yeah it's definitely it was like a really really warm winter and then all of a sudden the last two days it just plummeted <laughs> so it's fucking cold as fuck no but do you have to work out of one of those like little trailers or something or what uh yeah for yeah for the most part yeah okay the, the things heat pretty well i guess they would oh oh yeah they're yeah great Okay. Yeah. Pro- <laughs> propane propane is not gonna find your fucking thing. dead body in there frozen am i <laughs> no 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 i it's funny because i on my other side of my stuff is going good so i actually february i'm gonna be flying over to the middle east there so i might check out something in dubai okay. where there is no snow and cold <laughs> just go hang out there from the desert well yeah no there's they got like quite a bit of developments actually uh going on and there's a quite a bit of incentive so i have a little business there and i'm going to just scope it out a little bit uh no well i do like uh like i sell um some kind of like consumable stuff 
to okay. uh, hospitals with my other Excellent. business. Okay. And we're pretty busy. So I manufacture in China and then I distribute there to uh, a few countries. So it's okay. that's part's been going good. So that's been nice to have a little you, extra profit handle, around. Like, how do you handle the like Chinese manufacturers and whatnot? How, like, how do you know who to trust and how to set up what and where? Like, do you have a, a method uh, for that? Well, I've just like had a, a hotline. Or I just use? like, how do you know? That, uh, no, like I, like at one time, like I tried getting product off of Alibaba or whatever. And it, fuck, everything is a scam on Alibaba. So I just quit that. And I just have like personal is it really? contacts. Like, is, it, is it a pretty bad place to get inventory and stuff? They're like Alibaba. Like I remember when, like when back in like 2017, like I was big into like getting GPUs and everything like that. And I had a good distributor um, that I met like personally and that was good. But then all this other stuff, uh, just a second here. Yeah. If anyone wants to hop up and tell some stories about coins they're buying or whatever, give us some alpha. Feel free. I did get some Bitcoin ETF today. Um, I bought the FBTC Fidelity one. Worked out pretty well. Mostly just as a test trade, not not really to for any other particular purpose. But anyway, yeah, there's some definitely some pullbacks right now in a few things. Um, trying to see what's there's any that have dropped the most. Let's see here. PTC right now is at 46.6. And that's why things dropped. Um, pulled back about 2.5% from the ETF hype. I need to find some food. I woke up kind of early today and kind of got on spaces to kind of see what's happening and follow the market and buy some shit. And kind of like these busy days are the days when like usually there's some you know, quick buck to be made. Um yeah, I did an alarm for like a kosh. It seems to pull back to like two ninety two from three fifty six, and I'd probably set an alarm for like I'm gonna set one here for a buck eighty seven. Seems like a good place to um pick up some at some point if it reaches there again. Let's see here. Yeah, it seems like all the alts have sort of like pumped and then pulled back a little bit. Um, and I guess BTC dropped to 46,000. Some of that's probably not ETF specific. It's probably just leveraged people again, <laughs> getting liquidated. It seems like it would have been a primo location to consider a leverage play on BTC. So you can imagine those people get liquidated. So we're at 45. 970 nine, 45 now so a pullback here would be definitely something to pay attention to because like this is where all the money's made in this sort of market like if alts drop and you get a good deal um be in great shape let's see you got a, what's happening on the tracker here um yeah that ltc and doge position i bought pull back a little bit as well um Let's see chain link what happened to it and it's a 1470 so it's pretty strong it barely sort of so that's gonna that's looking good like link basically didn't pull back much compared to a lot of other stuff just now um just pulled back like a buck or something so that's looking strong 
Looks like good entry here for Link again at fourteen seventy. If you miss it at fourteen bucks or whatever. Um, yep, BTC pulled down Zephyr just a touch to seventeen seven two. So anything up under twenty, I think, is a decent buy for Zephyr. So definitely a spot you can look into if you want some. Um, let's see. Okay, I'm back now. Yep, good. <laughs> I was gone a minute too. Um, Neutron might be a little toppy here, NTRN. Like it's run up a lot this um, really since October till now and hasn't had any kind of like major correction. So um, I have to take that back. There was one to 75 cents. It's now at like a buck 43. Um, so Neutron. Wasn't there like uh, some gas issues with Neutron? I thought I saw something on it. I didn't really use it at all. Like I just had no, like some lock drop. There's nothing drop. to do on it yet. It's just it's just a like a it's yeah. just basically a Cosmos sidechain. But this is one like that probably if you get really a deep pullback at some point here, um, it could be a really good good buy. Now it was a good buy at seventy five cents. Don't get me wrong. Like that was a good spot. It's up to dollar forty three now. But I would definitely watch for some deep dips, like especially if you can get an under a dollar. It's forming kind of rounded top now, which uh, makes me nervous. Like during this pump, it didn't break um, its dollar seventy fib. So I wonder if it has to retest even lower than the seventy five cent, and maybe go to fifty nine cents or something like that. Either way, I would put some alarms at these levels. Um, just to kind of like, if you just get lucky kind of thing. Um, it's not a bad idea to sort of like go through and, um, like, um, put, put some alarms at prices that probably will never hit, but if they did, you'd want to be reminded and get some. So like, like on trading view, you can do that, for example, um, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm going to put some alarms for neutron lower. I'll put another one for 75 cents in case it retests that. And then I can decide what to do at that point. But there's not a lot of volume in it at the moment, which is also a bit makes you nervous. So, and it's run up so much this year already. So I think it's probably due for some nasty pullback at some point. So that's NTRN. Um, Yep, all the alts just kind of did a pullback with BTC just now. And, um, but I think that's going to be transient. I feel like these BTC dips will get bought up. Um, that's just the leverage players being liquidated and it just does that kind of stuff. Drop suddenly, don't panic about these things. Um, Zephyr's got a pretty nice, like, rising, um, sort of trend line that it's creating. Um, so yeah, like right now below 20 bucks keeps is still at the trend line. Um, I suppose this could be a bear flag or something and things could go down lower, but um, I don't know. All that's indicators look good. RSI for Zephyr looks good. Um, MACD looks good. Um, Pretty much in all time frames looks really pretty. 
So, um, and it's also built up at this price, which is Zephyr at 20. It's built up its longest price bar um, in this after the big, like, you know, big pump. So really any price bars below $6 are pretty much irrelevant now. I would say like $20 is like the biggest sort of floor um, price so far. So not a bad price at $19.70. Um, the volume profile looks really good for it. Mm. Let's see. What other things are happening? Ethereum sort of qu quietly climbing though. Um, and let's see if how much it pulled back. So this BTC drop, it only dropped from like 2689 to 2570. So a little dip, but not, not much affected really. So that's looking pretty bullish. Adam only pulled back from 1087 to 1050 as an example here. So yeah, I think, I think things are going to like, they look like they're going to pump hard. <laughs> like this dip right now is probably one of your last chances before a big pump. Mm. Yeah. I kind of think there'll be like a short and fast, like really big pump for the bull run. But then after, I think you're right. Like there's a lot of other things that affect depending on government changes, etc. So there might be like a, like a long up ramp after, but I don't know. Maybe that's just hopium. Maybe a guy just sells when he gets good gains here. This one, who knows? Yeah. I mean, one worry I had was that like inflation as high as it is and with interest rates as high as they are and people like, um, commercial having to refi and things of this nature. There was always the worry that like we'd have a modest pump, like almost like a bear market rally and everyone sells because they want to lock in some gains to pay some bills or something. Um, that's always a possibility, but I don't know, hard to say. BTC is a global asset. I mean, I'm sorry, the asset class in general is a global, right? So what you might see locally in your own personal country or your own personal life may not have any relationship to reality. <laughs> so um, I feel like um, this was sort of the first rally is the disbelief rally where everyone's not sure if it's going to be real bull market or not. But, um, with BTC, ha BTC having and coming, coming and like ETF and all that approved now. Um, I think, uh, we probably have, even if this is some weird rally that ends up crashing again, like, um, and doesn't reach prior highs for everything. I think we got a bit more of a run to go. Couple of Fib levels on Chainlink, like to thirty-two at least, I would think before um, worrying about that the market is too hot in some way or needs like a deep retracement. Um, yeah, so I, I think technically speaking, from just a technical chart perspective, uh, Link is a very good reference chart for the the like you know where we are, the whole where the whole market is, and where liquidity is. Okay, back to Alibaba. Yeah, everything on Alibaba is a scam. It's like the so uh, it <laughs> it's like the it's like the BSC version of uh, Amazon. But like right. even I talk, it's like everyone there's these huge verifications and everything. Like uh -huh. I almost kind of think it's all fake volume. But no, <clears throat> all my business dealings that I deal with in China is all word of mouth and like like uh, friend of a friend, and that's been very successful. I may go to or start going to like Spring Fair. 
and stuff like that after Chinese New Year. Every once in a while, like it's a big trade show. And but other than that, uh, I've got a pretty good network of just uh, manufacturers. The last, there. The last time I looked into like buying something from China, it was um, so there's a. I think it's a Swedish or some Norwegian company called Lab Gruppen. It makes they make like stadium grade, um, really high power amplifiers. Um, you know, for for uh, speakers, and um, it, the the like official version costs like I don't remember four or five thousand or something per amplifier, and um, these are very high power. Like you know you know, 10,000 watt amplifiers and things that you use for like subwoofers and stuff. So it's like, I've got like these gigantic subwoofers in my house and it's like, I needed these specific types of amps. And, um, what was interesting is that like people for many years created in China, created clone amplifiers of this. It looks exactly like the same thing. They copied the circuitry, the whole works. And like the price difference is like, they're only like $800 or $900, like way cheaper. Like, the risk is pretty low, so it doesn't work okay. But the thing that worried me was, it was a high-power device like this. Wait a minute. Is this thing going to set my fucking house on fire or not? <laughs> like, that was the thing that bothered me about it. Because you're talking about like 10,000-watt amplifiers and stuff. You don't want the thing to fucking catch fire. So I don't know. Like, But a lot of people over the years, though, like you said, word of mouth, on the various forums and things. Um, and the brand is called Sanway, S-A-N-W-A-Y, if you want to look up what this is. And it's the FP class amplifiers. But everyone has said they've worked well and no problems. And the only thing people have had problems with is the fans are too loud. So then people do a fan mod or some shit and they tell you how to go on the forums, they tell you a fan to change out and you're good to go. It's like a PC and it's got like a fan in it. But like very, very high power subwoofer amps. And uh, I was nervous about buying until there was enough word of mouth to like um, I've been rethinking about considering it now many years later, but, um, there's yeah, a there's, good chance that, that they were actually like, uh, the manufacturers of the brand name for Sweden and they just re engineered oh. it or it came yeah, to the end possible. of the agreement the agreement that happens a lot that happened a lot with like the equipment and stuff that we use like uh some heavy duty equipment pumps like stuff will come off of uh patent or it'll right. come off the agreement to their uh production agreements and then they'll just start running uh like uh and they're ba they're the same product it's just built yeah, and the, it's not the, labeled the ones that were so you're solid state the ones with like straight circuit boards that didn't have like electronics and stuff like they don't have digital electronics and things those got replicated and the stuff that had digital did not. So I guess there's more proprietary shit that they have to order from other places. So, but the, yeah, the pure circuit board related amplifiers, they truly, and there's like not just one clone, but like multiple brands of clones, but dramatically cheaper than if you buy the real thing. So, um, but yeah, it's all about word of mouth with those things. Oh yeah. No, they're, point. Like they're, it's just kind of part of the culture to like reverse engineer and then try and make more efficient. Like they reverse engineered some like um, top drives that we use. It turns the pipe and drills wells. And actually what they've done and how they upgraded them after um, they've made them almost damn near bulletproof. Right. But it costs them ever being able to manufacture anything for that other company, which they don't care. Like there's a, it's a weird thing. There's like factories that are just constantly building and building stuff. And there's well, so the, much the inventory there. Like, some things like this amplifier was a good example. It's like a, you know, 14,000 watt 
two-channel class D amplifier that works really quite well. Like the most users, I would say 99% of users, A, wouldn't use an amplifier like this, but those that do, like there's no great new tech that has to emerge. Like they don't have to innovate anything because it's it's sort of like a pinnacle product in many ways. Like, you know, like it could be unchanged for a decade and no one would care. If that makes sense. So like it's a perfect type of product to clone and then sell forever. It's a weird thing. So that's your downstairs stereo? It's just a pounder or what? Yeah. What you got these, running well, off of that these, amp. I have high power amps for the subs in my um in my little theater thing that I built. Um yeah, what size like, of sub, sub, subwoofers you, need like 15s? Yeah, I have like eight fifteens in my particular space. <laughs> those those fifteen like yeah, like dual fifteens like um run at two ohms runs like you need at least twenty five hundred watts per channel. Um so you just put and, on the screen number go up and then yeah. pound some dead mouse. Exactly. <laughs> wake exactly. up the block. <laughs> exactly. So like the the cool thing about um yeah, subs are an interesting thing that like you don't need the power because you want to go deaf. You need the power because um those large drivers just require a lot of juice to move like that much air and that's just that's just how these things work it's like but i don't run them like to yeah go deaf or anything for sure like there's no need to run them at super loud levels and then also it's like transient too like in a movie or something you want like you know godzilla to you know fall on the ground and make a lot of noise um it's that sudden bass effects that um you get out of those those kind of subwoofers with these very high powered amps and you can't get the same effect if you just simply buy a like a box sub it's not the same thing like i have um four boxes each of those boxes has two 15 inch subs and they're buried in the wall um my walls are actually two feet thick um to house these boxes so i designed the room to have like it's a room but there's a room outside the room in a sense in that the, the walls like really wide to house these subs and and hidden so they're not sitting in the room or whatever you can't see them at all which is cool um What's that? Did you put any like dynamat, any like um, acoustic insulation behind those? And yeah, like, is that yeah? Did the you port room is are like, those subs um, ported? No, they're not ported. They're sealed, and uh, oh. we don't get any like chuffing noises in there. And yeah, you, the 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 entire wall is like loaded with a mixture of like foam insulation between that room and the next room. A uh, little bit of dampening, and also mass loaded vinyl, which is like these gigantic sheets of thick vinyl and you just staple them into the um into like the stud bait you know studs or whatever like so you surround the room with mass loaded vinyl also and then the ceiling has like foam insulation as well and so yeah most of the walls are really nicely surrounded and then the speaker housings the, the entire box that i built we lifted it with like a, a like a hydraulic lift type of thing because it got pretty fucking heavy like a couple hundred pounds oh, yeah and then you have sure. to slide it in and then i have like some what's called vibrazorb so it's just they're not mounted in there they're just sitting in there vibrazorb is like a, a rubber thing that you buy on amazon it's like a very very highly vibration absorbing like mat almost like a silicon type pad and you stick that thing and you drop it on that and it works fine and so it doesn't really translate that vibrational energy into the actual structure of the wall at all it's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, four of those with these, with these, with these amplifiers and it's, uh, quite the effect. It's a hell of a thing. <laughs> so what, what, uh, what brand are the subs? 
Um, these were just like date and audio subs. You get them on like um, Parts Express, which is like a do-it-yourself type of thing. They're not very expensive. They're like maybe, I think when I bought them, they're like under a couple hundred bucks each. Um, so yeah, if you have a little bit of carpentry skill and you can build yourself the sub boxes, which is pretty straightforward. Um, they just have to be a certain size based on like the calculations of the amount of, um, drivers and whatever you have. And, um, you just make the box a certain size. You put it with some fill inside of it. You seal the sucker up and, um, voila, you're done. You can just make, it, make them in your garage. So like, I think all told, I probably spent like maybe, oh, I don't know, like $500 a box maybe, which is not bad at all. Um, so when you go with subs, you definitely want to do it yourself. Um, you get much, much more powerful um output by building your own than you do by buying the because like think about it like how, what store are you going to go buy a 200 i'm sorry 200 pound subwoofer right with the wood and everything else so you use you basically you use like a baltic birch for the box or mdf and then you use like um you buy the drivers but the thing is like most retail establishments aren't going to sell a fucking 200 pound product why because like how the hell they're going to transport that shit and if they do they're going to charge you mega bucks for that stuff right you're going to be paying probably like like I, I can build for five hundred dollars what it would normally cost you like at a store to get equivalent performance probably a couple of grand right so um definitely yeah they'll even things. charge more for like form fitted because mm -hmm. audio shops we're trying to do that we're building some um just trying to put together because i'm gonna be uh we're doing a resto mod on a 79 bronco and i want to build like the okay. sub box into underneath the bench and stuff so we're just trying to yeah source out all that stuff and want to put a nice it's, decent it's really easy there. to build um subwoofers into cars because there's no it's all near field the distance from the driver to your head is in the near field position and the car tends to be fairly transparent because the glass so you don't get as much reflected um waves inside the car so subwoofers for cars tend to be very easy to implement. You just stick them anywhere. Pretty much they work. Um, the main thing with cars is like uh, equalizing them correctly. And um, like, otherwise it just doesn't sound right. It's not, or you it's, just blow the glass out. No, it's just like, if it's not equalized correctly, like with the main, um, main speakers, you wind up with like um, just discrepancy in how you blend the, the crossovers and stuff like that together. So yeah, there's a little bit of finesse that comes with that too. But um, I remember nowadays, back cars, in high like, school, we were we were big into stereos there, and uh, exactly. my one buddy he had like remember those old Mazda trucks? There's like a twenty two hundred, and then he had like this box in the back, and he had it was all closed, and then like the pickup um, truck, right? Yeah, and then he Some had two three like thousand amps. <laughs> Oh, and the thing was just fucking slammed right down. And then it had like 6,000 watts going to these six tens. And gee, like, fuck, one time he left the windows up a little bit and he like blew the windows. <laughs> That's funny. Because it's, it's like there's less, there's so little room in there. And that uh -huh. had that little like back extended seat and the box took up that whole area. Yeah, and if then, they're pressurizing but, enough to break the windows and you definitely going to break your eardrums. He's probably yeah. deaf now. <laughs> oh yeah everybody everybody that i grew up we're all serious deaf. high frequency hearing loss <laughs> but yeah it's funny um yeah like modern cars are interesting in that um so many cars you buy now have a really good audio system in them now like when you buy these cars and they have like a bose or a harman kardon or um 
Harman Kardon is one of the better ones. Um, Harman Kardon and Ravel make really good car systems now. Um, the even Bose, every, all of those do have good systems. Um, uh, building for in-car systems where they actually customize perfectly to the passenger seat where, I mean, the driver's seat and the passenger seat where you're sitting. Um, they're equalized really well now when they're created for the car. Like back in the day when you put some pioneer or Alpine thing in your car and stick some different speakers in there and fuck around. Um, those results were never going to be as acoustically good as one design for the actual car in that particular space and equalized perfectly for that car where there's like a, EQ set settings and everything internally, not the ones you play with on the dashboard, but the internal where they've already per perfectly, um, they perfectly crossed everything over. They perfectly set everything up to your listening position and you get a much, much smoother, like flatter, um, frequency response. It's really, really good. So nowadays, like there's very little reason for people to sort of like monkey around with too many custom audio things, unless it's an old car. Cause like, they're so good now. Like you're, the odds that you're going to get a better result by doing it yourself is very low now. I would say, I would say, which is, which is also why you don't see very many like, uh, car audio, like things being sold anymore at stores. Like that used to be a big thing, car audio installations and shit. And that all disappeared as the in-car installs got so good that, um, it became kind of irrelevant. Are you going to retire this run? I think someone asked you the other day, but you said you're not. No, like this is you just go one more bull run. Are yeah, you like me? Like if, if you end up retiring, then the wife will go crazy. Cause I, I think that might be troublesome for my relationship. I've always worked. So, <laughs> well, I can, I could retire now if I wanted to, like, I guess that has yeah. nothing to do with anything. Like, um, like what, what kind of useless shit you're gonna do if you don't work at all? Like it doesn't make any well, sense. Well, that's the same thing. Right. That's the same with me is yeah. I'd still be the one or I'd be kind of, I guess, semi-retired because I still work on uh, other stuff, but I don't know. Everyone's like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, this, some, this whole run, I'm like going to retire and do nothing. And I'm like, well, like you're going to have enough. something. But the reality is like most people are, what are you going to do? You're going to watch TV. Oh yeah. You retired. Big deal. Um, I mean like pretty much most people that like sit around and do nothing, you were just always a loser. Like that's just the reality of your life. Like you just weren't ever, cut out for too much if all you're ever going to care for is retire. Now it's different if you have to retire for health reasons or something. Obviously many people have to retire for that. But my point is like just to sit around doing nothing is like like what like what are you doing? Like why are you doing that? Like you know it doesn't make any sense. It means like you didn't feel like whatever you did in your life was that important in the first place and therefore like quitting it didn't matter to you. Like why would you why would you like why would you want to set yourself up in that position? You might as well spend the whole life doing something interesting. And then there's not a reason to retire. Yeah. All my extracurricular activities are expensive. They're not cheap. So, well, there's that. Yeah. So. You might, <laughs> if you, if you yeah. need to keep fueling the, the addictions. Yeah. That's a different thing. Yeah. I have a few. One of my, my worst addiction is probably uh, sheep hunting. That's a fairly, uh, is that like one. an expensive, well, I guess, Bullets. Yeah, because well, there's trout like there's North American Grand Slam. You go after your desert, your bighorn, your stone, and your doll. And so, is that I'm an currently, expensive hobby though? Yeah, well, like yeah, yeah, like the because you're going on like the guided hunts that are outside mm. of your own jurisdiction okay. are usually a fairly high cost there. Got to be. And you've got like it's like going on like a custom vacation almost. It's like some dude yeah. that knows the terrain has to take you around. 
Me, yeah, maybe about five times the cost of that, probably. Yeah, okay. yeah. There, there. It's pretty remote. Like you're going out, you're hiking with for up to like fourteen days with packs and everything like that through different wilderness. I don't know why I do it. Like, but I was completely gone from all of August because I was out in the fucking bush getting my stone. But that was good. It's it's great. It's a great. I like it. The best part of that every year is that I take like a huge break from social media. Everything. I just like yeah. I'm just out there. You know, got a little uh, isopropyl stove, making like freeze dried food every now and then. Have little snack kits made up for fourteen days. Walking, hiking, getting stuff on horseback, and there, like, there isn't another soul out there for like hundreds of miles. Like, there is like nobody. It's great, and all yeah. I all I have my only connection to the world when I'm doing that is a little satellite communicator so that's that's one of my favorite things that's my one of my things i guess that i continue to increase my personal wealth is continue doing that because i don't have too many like ultra expensive hobbies i would say like the things i want i largely have um in fact like if anything i'm like sometimes i'm like why do i need all this shit maybe i'll just downsize some um on the other hand it's like um, even if I did downsize some, it's like, wait a minute, where would I go? <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to go to something inferior that I have now. It doesn't make any sense. So like to some extent I've kind of like, mm, most routine things that I, I want in life I have. Um, and, um, I, if anything, like the, most of the, the stock trading account I built, the stock account for dividends I built over the past, um, like year and a half. I put that together as a high dividend because I figured like, I'll just park that instead of using any of my other assets and I'll just use those dividend yields to go on vacation every year. So it puts out enough dividend to where I could probably make like, um, at least one big trip with my wife per year, just on that fund alone. So that was the theory is just have dividends coming in and then just use them. Uh, use it yeah, as like guys a are- fund basically empty nesters now right like the kids are getting at school there. no i'm getting yeah. there though so it's like yeah um, i'll be able to travel more i mean if i don't travel what the fuck am i going to do that's the thing so it's like <laughs> that's part of it yeah we're i think we're i don't know if i i think i have a problem because like my house is like completely overflowing like i'm maybe one of those like gear junkie slash like uh i guess pack rat or what do they call those people hoarders not maybe not to that like everything's neat and tidy and then my wife gives me shit but i'm like you know what we have three kids so i'm just i'm getting them a little extra stuff for later because you know inflation it'll cost more if i buy it in the future (laughs) um give me just a minute let me i gotta answer a message real quick no i mean you definitely don't want to retire completely it's just like you've you you probably drop into a very deep hole because a lot of are you there, noob? Are you there, noob? Where's Wabi? We need some BTC updates. I had to schedule some robotic surgeries here. Mm, I got some approval on a couple of them. That's, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Have you seen a bunch of AI more and more used yet in uh, the healthcare field? 
I find um, it might be slowest the, there because the there's so many approvals. I've seen so far is now like electronic medical records, like um, Epic in particular is using like a large language model so that like, let's say you're, you mentioned some, you know, diagnosis in your commentary um, in a notation somewhere, then the system is noticing that you typed this thing or dictated this thing. And it's flagging that um, for hospital billing purposes. So there's definitely some large language, large language model analysis happening of clinical notes for the purposes of billing. In the future, it's going to really suck because they'll probably use these things to audit human beings, which is going to really be brutal because like, <laughs> like you know, nothing like having everything you do be spell checked essentially to be like to penalize you for different things. It's going to be frustrating because um, it's very hard to do anything perfectly. Um, so you're going to wind up with this situation where you have this like digital babysitter all the time. Um, but yeah, LLMs a little bit. Um, so far, the robotic stuff doesn't use any, like it has limited AI function. I would say it's not really, uh, I'm not sure even sure if you classify it as AI um, necessarily. I'll give an example. Like if you get a CT, um, so what's called a navigational CT scan, you, you scan someone's chest and it will do a map of all the airways in the lung based on the 3D reconstruction. So you have the CT is a bunch of series of 2D slices through your chest. It reconstructs that. It finds all the pathways all the way to the farthest, smallest reaches of your lung. And it like draws them out like a Google Maps onto a like a mapping space. And then you and it creates a 3D model that you can navigate through um, on a screen. And then that correlates with what you're doing in real life so that you can like, oh, look, there's a tumor way down here on this Google Maps. I need to reach that. And so when you're inside the airways, you can't tell where the fuck you are without this mapping. So because as you go farther and farther down, there's more and more branches, right? So you're going to like eighth order branches, basically down way below. So you use the, it's sort of, sort of AI in a sense, because the mapping part of it is uh, algorithmic or I'm not sure if it uses machine learning or what it uses, but pretty cool stuff. But what it doesn't do yet, is it doesn't self-drive. So it's not like you push a button and it's like, okay, get me a biopsy of that tumor. And it drives all the way down to the, to the correct location manu you know, automatically and then does it. Um, so far, I, maybe from regulatory perspective too, like there's, they don't have a real strong reason to add that yet. The actual operator, me, still operates a thing. It's got like a little joystick and not joystick, but like a scroll wheel type of thing to move forward and backwards. And then kind of a left, right, um, like it has a trackball type of thing as well. So trackball and kind of like a rolling wheel for forward and backwards. And you can go into the lung, out of the lung from the airway. And then you can basically go in there and biopsy things. Um, it's um, pretty uh, uh, like in the future, you could basically have this thing run by AI and drive more and more of it, or at least even like assist in the driving, like keeping the camera centered and stuff. But so far, it's like pure manual. They haven't introduced AI. But the thing is, the entire process is digital. Like the controls are digital. You're talking about a trackball. It's like a, imagine a mouse ball and mouse and a trackball on your computer, right? It's like digital data entering into the system, zeros and ones, basically. Um, so there could come a time when that could be driven by AI for sure. Um, no, no doubt about it. So you, could, you should see if you could patch that into like a PS5 controller. Right? They have. Bit. In fact, they have. Um, th there's another company called Monarch, and um, 
initially there, I believe their controller was an actual PS5 controller, believe it or not, uh, which is very funny. Um, cause like, why would you want to invent your own controller when these things are amazing already? Right. Um, well, so and everybody's just so comfortable with them, right? I can't yeah, believe how level, good PlayStation really did against Xbox. Yeah, they're, they're very good controllers. So yeah, I believe it was an Xbox controller. I take that back. It wasn't a PS controller, but it was like, yeah, something like that was created. Um, and they just used an existing controller that already was out there for that particular application. Pretty interesting. Now, what you can get like the Xbox controller is basically Bluetooth compatible with like any lap, any recent laptop or computer now anyway. So that's good. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, it's um, um, but yeah, a lot of these things are going to be, I think, AI augmented at some point, like maybe, you know, if you want to keep like you have an autopilot that keeps your camera centered in the middle of the airway, for example, it just like keeps you um, from having to do as much navigational work. Or maybe like if you're in a Da Vinci robot, which like the intra-abdominal surgery or something, um, you know, maybe like you push a button and it's going to throw a suture for you or something. Like So so each of these things is going to be a little bit more and more automated as time goes on. Um, but some of the surgeons that do the robotic procedures, you, you'll be, you'd be impressed at how quick they fucking are. It's like, Holy shit. And the, and the, and the magnitude of the operations I've seen, like, you're like, Holy crap, they're doing all that with these tiny little holes in your belly. And they're taken down like with really fat people sometimes with like dealing with lots and lots of adhesions and whatever. It's really impressive how much they're able to accomplish inside um, your abdomen using like the robot controls and stuff. It's very neat. Like I would look at like go YouTube, like Da Vinci three, like it's the third generation or something. And, um, you can see some operations and stuff on YouTube that they've posted and it's very impressive. You're like, holy crap. Like, look at, look at like, like if you know how these operations are done normally and you, you know, like not so much the difficulty, but how much manual sort of effort is involved in like, then you're in there with these like little robotic armatures and things, and you're somehow not tearing bowel and not tearing anything and actually getting out of it with like better outcomes, better, less complications. It's pretty freaking cool. Um, I don't use the Da Vinci myself. I'm not a, I'm not a surgeon. Um, I do these diagnostic like lung biopsies. So that's the ion robot. Uh, ION is also created by Intuitive Surgical. Um, so there's a couple of companies, I think ION and the, I'm sorry, uh, D- Intuitive Surgical makes surgical robots. And there's another company I believe called Monarch or something. And they do some as well. Um, so there's only a couple of players in the space. Like, um, that's why I said earlier in the year, I'm like, you definitely want some ISRG stock intuitive surgical because like they're kind of the apple of this category. And I would say that surgical robots are really just getting started. Like by just getting started, I mean, like if you're relatively young, uh, a 20 year stock performance on something like ISRG makes a lot of sense. Um, and well, I imagine that the testing and everything is so strict, right? With medical, I like about that. Is. I met I met this one uh, neurosurgeon one time uh, in Calgary, and he would fly up and do a lot of the stuff for um, AHS here. And I shook his hand, and I remember shaking this guy's hand. It was just like it was like shaking a dead like mannequin. Like it was just such a dead fish handshake. <laughs> it was just so. Like there was zero movement in this man's hand and it was just like, he didn't squeeze back or anything. And I was like, it's just a weird handshake, but I'm like, fuck that guy's got million dollar hands. Doesn't he? <laughs> he doesn't mess around. <laughs> no. 
no like there was just like nothing there there was like no movement no twitch no like nothing i don't know if that's specific to that but yeah it's kind of funny um but yeah like th- these um yeah these these robots are getting interesting i think like they um haven't reached like every single hospital everywhere and they haven't reached every single surgeon everywhere but that's getting closer so you're in that generation where like every surgeon needs to learn these now um whereas previous surgeons had to sort of go learn it and pick up the skills and everything over time whereas now when they're in surgical fellowships and residency training or whatever they're learning it so yeah 10 years from now i would say like more of the surgeons surgeons surgeries are going to be done by robotic than not for a lot of especially abdominal and pelvic surgeries and stuff Um, but they're using it for like even for um yeah i don't know how much orthopedics are using it and neurosurgeons stuff but yeah it's definitely picking up a lot of interest you'll probably need ai to protect the patient from some sort of nervous twitch or anything if guy like old surgeons yeah. and everything like that had like a built-in muscle memory and everything yeah. now good you're point. changing like, the whole demographic of it so you're going to need to have safeties in place so like someone has a bad twitch with the robot and then completely slices up the fucking inside there yeah like, that's it's, not, it's gonna not be great. like it's not that twitchy um imagine like a PlayStation controller, but you, you definitely like have a more like cohesive controls, I guess. It's not so twitchy. It's not that bad, but yeah, but like it makes sense that AI plays a role in like helping autopilot these a little bit, right? Even if it's not, you know, it's almost like the lane assist on your car. It's not so much full self-driving, but like the other thing too, is like there could be, there could come a point where these things do actually finish the operation on their own. Because like if you're trained, you can train with tons and tons of digital data, tons of imaging data, and eventually you get like diffusion models and everything else. Like there comes a point where in the non-operative space, there's definitely a lot of robots making some cool shit. Like you've seen these things on Twitter and stuff where people have built robots to like cook food and flip hamburgers and make breakfast or whatever, like pretty impressive stuff. Um, They're getting quite good. And they're not particularly complicated either. They're like simple armatures. Um, it's like you have two arms or whatever, and you're building you're, you're building breakfast with it. <laughs> it's not bad. I think there's like a lot of that technology used to help pilot like Gen 5. But like, I don't know, Gen 6 fighters and stuff like that will most likely just be drones, really. I, I don't think like Seems the capabilities of anything past Gen 5 will have to be unmanned, really. Yeah, I think there's, there's Gen 6... Uh, being built um but yeah there's gonna be a lot of um drones and unmanned missiles and shit too things like that for sure which probably is no fun for all of us are you you gonna are you gonna build a bunker oh like fallout stuff Um, yeah yeah well i have a i have one already sort of it's like it's like a safe room yeah it's got like a yeah it's got a it's like hurricane tornado resistant. It's got like a Faraday cage worth of like rebar in there and stuff. It's not bad. <laughs> so if all you got, like goes, a, you got a pallet of uh, dehydrated food there too. Um, I probably should stick some in there, but no, I don't at the moment. That's good. Well, that's that's like, good for like 25 years in a disaster. Like I'm the one everyone needs. 
So in that sense, like my feeling is that my skills, people will take care of me one way or the other. <laughs> so like the best thing you could have in an apocalypse is either a cult or skills that everyone needs. Um, yeah. And or a uh, good neighbor that says, Thank, thanks, Effie, for building me a bunker. <laughs> yeah, like I don't need I don't need a, a gun, for example, because like there will be people to protect me at all times anyway. So it doesn't matter anyway. I don't have to I don't like I don't have to really spend a whole lot of time protecting myself. Let's put it that way. So there's that. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But yeah, it's like, yeah, being a um, any, anyone that's like a video game fan typically games all this shit out in their head at some point or the other right even if you're not a fallout fan specifically <laughs> there's that new movie on uh netflix that was about kind of some end of the world or some sort of invasion and then they hacked into the teslas and they drove all the teslas to block all the highways and everything like that i'm trying to find That's the name funny. of it <laughs> it's got julia roberts in it but it's kind of yeah it's funny <laughs> hacking the teslas hmm yep it looks like um after all is said and done it looks like um etf day is going to be sideways huh i was just seeing what was happening today just because i thought today would be a fun day to track the market and see how everything responds you learn a lot from these things yeah it looked like we just about touched 49 hey yeah 45.9 yeah it so it kind of did this pump and then kind of pulled back and that's kind of a liquidity test in a sense um, to see like what kind of response that can elicit. But it certainly wasn't any kind of like Bitcoin God candle so far. Um, there have been a lot bigger ones in the past. <laughs> that's why I'm saying. Oh, yeah. How does this compare I, to other? We might be sideways till April now and then just the occasional pump on or rotational pump. Yeah, like did did like an Elon tweet do more in one day or did ETF approve 11 ETFs getting approved do more in one day? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And if the the answer is that it's the Elon pump did more, then you're like, wait a minute. Um, then what does that mean? But of course, the day's not over. Like, you know, the next few days could be interesting. Yeah, it seemed like there was a big inflow there, like one just under a couple billion the first hour. And then I haven't been tracking it. And some of that has got to have been some short squeeze too. So the shorts have been sort of taken out. And so that takes a little bit of energy out of the system already. We'll see. Yeah, it's kind of it sort of retested breakout level almost basically going back down to 49 something or 44.9 or something, right? Cool. Yeah, this will be interesting because like there is like the order book and stuff, but it's a mixture between TradFi and uh, DeFi. It, most of it was already priced in, I think, right? Yeah, unless um, people going in and buying ETFs or whatever uh, means that more coins have to get locked up or whatever. But a lot of that stuff's going to happen OTC out, out, so I'm not sure how it impacts um, immediate price action unless Coinbase has to go and like buy BTC off the open market. I would I would suspect it puts a more of a floor price into BTC. Maybe it doesn't create like a top immediately, 
but it creates like a bottom where, you know, like, so Coinbase has the distinct knowledge of how much ETF demand there. They, so like they're like the ultimate insider in a sense, but at the same time, they sort of have to trade against their customers because they've got to get the BTC from somewhere. Right. So, so at the end of the day, it's like, they're going to know, Hey, there's all this demand coming in and we should go pick up some BTC early. And each of these dips, like they might be buying the dips at that point. I don't know how that works, but I'm not sure. We need the Hello. big Joe down there to uh, slash the rates and start uh, start out with the stimulus checks again. That's the only way it's going to happen. Hey, Root, what's going on? Hello, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm pretty good, happy good. that the ETF is approved, bro, finally. Yeah. What did you do today? Did you go on the on a brokerage and buy some? No, bro. I've had my Bitcoin for a long time, brother. They finally approved me. I got some. I got some. I just went and tested it. I bought like one share of an ETF just for fun. It worked out pretty good. It was on a, the Fidelity BTC FBTC was what I bought. Ooh, very nice. How much did you pick up? Or you know, you don't want to share? Oh, it's okay. I just bought one. Okay. I just bought one because cool. I, I bought it like at the top or whatever. So right, like, right. You didn't want to do too much, right? <laughs> I should probably get more now. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Bit. Something broke. Yeah, yeah. We're on the hike up, brother. No, it's always about like you know dynamic DCAing on the way down. So that's right. BTC is easy in that respect. BTC is one of the easiest tradable assets in the world. Honestly. Oh, I agree. Because, I mean, people don't understand. Like, literally, I bought food, like, two days ago with Bitcoin. And then also on top of it, it's like you can transact $30 million at the same pace. So it's, like, it's pretty efficient. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty easy to, like, it's, it's easy to trade it because, like, all you have to do is, like, on the way down, you just scale in, get, you know, get right. larger and larger on the exactly. way down. It's that simple. And then also with NFTs in general, I mean, like, they're fun. I mean, especially with Bitcoin. I mean, I enjoy the Bitcoin NFTs, but also like Solana and Ethereum NFTs are also great. And it's a great like ecosystem right now because it's kind of an interesting cycle. Yeah. Are you going heavy into like NFTs and such? Like expecting oh, a big giga pump on that? Or absolutely, what? brother. Because yeah. uh, what's the yeah. vibe looking like there? So like I have a lot of Web2 connections and banking. So a lot of individuals are very like hesitant to kind of essentially... Mm, put their toes in the water right so it's kind of it's the, the landscape has completely changed in the like the, the way that their perspective has been and it's currently different now but do you but, think uh, like nfts and DAOs and different things like that are going to catch a bid the way they did last season or you think yes like, absolutely that's so like I, I've old news multiple DAOs, uh especially okay. on ethereum and cco DAOs to be particular so the thing is is that uh, yeah, it's 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 like I want fun to be kind of revived within the community because that's what like initially got me to start con community building myself. So so that initially drives the innovation in general. So within itself, yeah, it, it's back to have fun. Okay. Do so you think like when everyone's rich, they're going to be like jumping into every random thing just like Absolutely, usual? Absolutely, because it's like the money printer got turned back on. You have to understand in 2020, Jerome Powell was like, nah, you ain't finna make money off NFTs. I was like, for what? I was like, why not? And then Jerome Powell was like, all right, fine. Like, I'll just turn it back on, like whatever. And now it's back on. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, what happened today with the, the, the inflation, whatever, CPI stuff? Uh, I haven't even looked, if you want me to be honest. I've been doing like completely other things, but... Let me take a peek here. Since that was yeah, you can you can enlighten me because that sounds like an interesting statistic, to be frank. But today was the 
Something. My name isn't Frank, by the way. My name is Ryan, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a part of the D gods. <laughs> Let's see here. Um, I thought something was released today. I don't know what I'm, where I'm looking. Mm. I mean, I've been I've been seeing a lot of consolidation in general, just from like Tether over to like Solana, and then Solana into Bitcoin, and it's kind of looking great. Like everything's looking great. ETH into Bitcoin, everything's going great right now. What do you What did you pick up most recently? Uh, right now, I got a lot of Solana that I'm holding on to, mm-hmm. and for a while because I kind of want to hold it for like another like month or two, kind of see where the landscape's at then, and then kind of make an educated decision based off the, off the time going by. But regardless, I uh, I have a lot in Bitcoin right now, and Ethereum is also going to be where I move some Bitcoin to in the future, and I'll keep you posted on Twitter for that one. So it looks like it's uh, we got a little bit more inflation. It's like three and three point three or something for the year or something. I, I like your Fallout Boy uh, PFP, bro. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, copy pasta. I like it. I like it, bro. It's funny. Follow me back, brother. I got to tell you when I'm moving over to some ETH. Do you like Ethereum a lot, or? Um, no, I don't. I don't really. I do mostly Cosmos stuff and a few other things, but cool. um, have never been heavy ETH. I, like last time I bought ETH was like when it was like I don't know. The biggest buy for ETH for me was like under 100 bucks at some point. It just sits there. I don't really do anything. Right. Okay, cool. It's been yeah, a long time. I, mean, I understand a lot of reasons why people don't really invest too much into ETH. I mean, I've been screwed over a lot just by buying NFTs and then losing my money to gas fees. And uh, it's been over six figures. So I like I understand in general, like just how people feel with the money kind of when they're transacting, just Not evaporating. For whatever reason, my life never dragged me into ETH DeFi. It was really nothing more than that. Right. Like it wasn't, it was like pure happenstance, I guess. It just, I just never, I was right. I mean, like the time and the place wasn't there, I suppose. Yeah. Like for me, for whatever reason, I just, just didn't happen to get into ETH DeFi back then. Right. Okay. Perfect. I mean, that's completely cool. I mean, I've owned ETH, but just not, haven't been playing in DeFi there. Right. I mean, it's just sitting there. And then kind of like got kind of more used to DeFi, um, really more during like Cosmos and everything. Uh, and right. then so I've been there ever since. I and mean, now there's so many Cosmos chains. I mean, it was at like, bro, I mean, we were sitting at like a $1,500 like consolidation period, stagnation period where it just like sat there and it was not fun, but definitely recouped. Yeah, we've been hanging out during the bear market. So picking up everything. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a cold winter, brother. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, it warmed up for sure. Holmes said, "You got your hand up. Do you want to speak, brother?" Yeah, man. I just wanted to say uh, what's up to. Uh, would you say your name was? It's not Frank, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My name is Ryan, brother. So Ryan. what's up, Ryan? Um, anyways, I heard what you're saying here. Um, look, I'm a pleb. Uh, I'm not into ETH uh, NFTs because of the gas. Um, I got into all this stuff kind of at the end of 2021. So definitely came in with the mindset of whatever the narrative for the next bull cycle would be. Um, Anyways, I hear what you're saying. And I just want to make sure um, being a soul and an ETH NFT bro, like you are one of those that are aware of what's going on on Stargaze. You got a bad kid yet or a big kid. Like, please tell me you are in on what's going on over here. Because if you like making money on NFTs, it's definitely going to be where there's money to be made this bull cycle. All right. So I just, I hit you with a follow back. So yeah, I'm always interested in general, like 
about fast chains and having transaction times be as fast as possible and transparent within the sense of like, okay, I, I want that transaction to be done as fast as possible. As long as things are fast, then I'm like 100% open to being onboarded to it. All right, brother. I mean, you definitely uh, do you have a Cosmos wallet. I could send you a Rex Bull and get you started in this space. I don't have it. Yeah, no, that would be I, great. I, I can't send you a three grand bad kid. That's for sure. No, sure, sure. Is Wait, so is the wallet available on mobile? Yeah, or? dude, man. I use Leap Wallet. I use the Leap mobile app, right? I use it. I've got an, an Apple, right? So I use great. I'll, I'll install that right But now. they have Android. Um, you can do everything on Stargaze with the mobile app. You can mint. Um, you can trade. Um, everything on Stargaze, bro, if you do an NFT transaction is gasless. There's no gas for NFT transactions. So download a wallet, DM me your address. Uh, I'll get you started with some Stargaze NFTs because, like I said, this is going to be a happening place for NFTs this bull cycle. And the more, like, real NFT bros we have. Right. I, I like dripping some Bitcoin into other chains, uh, other chains, brother. So, like, I got you, brother. I'm down. Awesome. Awesome. Love to hear it. Um, that was all. I was just really coming up to be like the community pleb and shill like I could. So shill. Wait, so what application on mobile can I download for that interaction? So you want Leap uh, Wallet, L-E-A-P. Um, it's like a little froggy uh, icon or, you know, logo that they have. Um, and that's an interchain wallet. So it'll let you do any. Yep, I found it. Cool. It'll let you connect to any IBC chain, basically. Um, and it'll let you do all the IBC stuff, uh, like I said, mobily. So if you wanted to interact with Finn on Kajira, um, you can do that with your Leap Mobile wallet as well. Um, Wait, there's like a direct messaging system through there? Um, I think there is messaging through it. Um, there's, they've got this whole leap board thing that has recently been rolled out. I mean, that's out. something they could definitely implement it's, for sure. It's, it's quite a, a like all-encompassing wallet that Leap is rolling out for us. Right. Awesome. Awesome. How about you, Steffi? You getting any uh, Stargaze NFTs before they fly? Mm, <clears throat> I have a bunch of random NFTs on uh, in my wallet. I don't know. What, I don't even remember what I have anymore. I have a lot. Um, so I, I didn't get anything uh, lately. I feel you, brother. Like I feel you, brother. I didn't get any lately. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, bro, I literally reset my PC like the other day, and I lost I think 14 Solana wallets. But it's okay. Regardless, it's okay. We still got Bitcoin. I'm pretty sure I have some wrecked bulls somewhere. Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited. I kind of want to see how fast this Stargate stuff is. Yeah, it's a good, it's a pretty decent NFT ecosystem. Um, uh, the coin stars token is pretty good too. Pri the price is not bad of that either. Should really run. One thing that's been dope, like we haven't had, with the market changing crazily in the last month or so, like the minting of new projects has been a bit different. Um, but one thing that's been dope is because it's gasless, we don't get gas wars on FOMO mints. Like we might have some traffic and you might run into like your transaction doesn't go through, but we don't get these crazy gas wars that happen on a FOMO mint. It's just everybody yeah. dealing with the same traffic. So what Stargaze is, um, it's an app chain that's a full blockchain just for, for NFTs. That's the whole point of the chain. So that's what's interesting about Cosmos chains is that they, you can basically do um, 
you can basically do like an, an entire chain for a particular purpose basically that's what this is homestead i'm gonna add you to a twitter group chat there's like i don't know there's probably like 10 billion dollars 10 billion dollars in social capital in there so whatever you want to say just like you say it and then people will download it if you want them sorry i've had some work related messages coming in no worries Safi. if you can follow me back too i can add you to the group the twitter group chat oh yeah there you go Mm. I will say for those listening, um, especially if you're in the Stargaze community, it looks like our, our Freshman Friday project this week might actually be the first mint out in a bit. Um, they've got the price at a, at a reasonable 180 stars, I think. I think that's been one of the problems lately is people don't want to part with their stars because it's pumping. Um, but it's a cool looking project. It's black and white called Jekyll and Hyde. Um, and it's going to be, it looks like some crazy, like large pixelated um you know faces and things like that so anyway guys i think um i'm gonna jump off we gotta get some work done here um it's good catching up with everyone today i might start hop on later i've got to do some errands and stuff too but uh yeah we'll catch up later guys soon right on see you later have a good one brother bye everyone motherfuckers screaming out loud looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in jersey what could be worse misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs i'll be numbing up first before discovering what works and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt we rape them under the earth sit and wonder about the worth and plate ring around the rosy while the thunder is served motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets dead ants dragging out the max amount of Payments, red down days, got them acting all bankless. Yo, fam, what? Check these tokenomics. They probing this bear, flexing broken honest. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting honest. And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic. Never known the politic, I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top. We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom. Over impossible loss, it's all moss. And I'm liking the odds. Fond doing the morning, forming mycological. Bonds. Flick the cap, though the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape them under the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace Stacked and non-toxic just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage like the shit is played for keeps Clowns white knight and all these Maybelines They call it implausible when model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape him under the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served
Spaces.